welcome everybody to our third ever podcast here at the Newport Comedy Room. Yay, that's right. This is what we call Funny About Books. It's a show about comedians who write books and I happen to have in the room with me a comedian who has in fact written a book and therefore he qualifies. His name is Richard Stubbs. Good on him. He's my favourite. Hooray for him. (laughs) He is a comedian and an author. And also, we have the wonderful Evan Hocking. Evan, you're, you're not yourself an author? No, I've read a book, though. You, so you know so, so we, you know what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah. I, I have seen books, yeah. So he's in high books, school, but yeah. He's read yeah. a few. He qualifies. So, um, and, and I, of course, am your host, Television. So it's very great to have you here as part of this podcast. So, Richard... This book, it has to be said, it's got to be the ugliest front cover I think I have ever seen. That's because he's on it. (laughs) Everyone thought that. You didn't have to just say it. (laughs) I'll have you know, that cover gets talked about more and more. It is my face eerily put in the Mona Lisa's painting and the eyes follow you around the room. Um, Everyone loves that cover. Okay. Although, now I think about it, no one said it's attractive. (laughs) <laughs> but everyone goes, oh man, that, that's hilarious. That's just that. It, they're books. You need something that'll stand out. It's quite a piece. Now, the 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 feature of the Mona Lisa, and the, the 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 sort of the mystery around that mm. painting is that no one could ever imagine what she was thinking. Yeah. What were you thinking when you took this awful photograph? Well, how dare you? <laughs> uh, my mum took that photo <laughs> shortly before she died, and we threatened. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, you know, I wasn't thinking, yeah, I, was, uh, I was just thinking funny stuff, I think. Um, I'm trying not to take personally that what I like to see is my... Honestly, the photographer said, show me your bedroom eyes. And I went with that. But I'm now regretting everything. Because, uh, uh, yeah, you're not... You're saying, wow, that's <laughs> someone smacked you with a fish. <laughs> okay. Um, now, listen, uh, b- because this, this book is now, it's, it's 20 years since you've written it. Yeah. Um, at the time, l- let, let's jump into the space that you were. So, at the time, so it was, it was 1998. Yes. Pre-millennium. None of us knew if our gadgets would work after the millennium. Yep. So, it was a scary time. It was where, a very scary time. Where were you back then when you wrote this book? 1998, I had uh, just quit Triple M. And uh, I'd quit Triple M at the end of 97. Uh, no, quit, quit. I have a, I have a history of pulling the pin. I, um, I, I've got this fear of being like uh, Slim Pickens and riding the bomb down. I, if you, um, there's another book on the All Blacks. Um, I don't know how many of you read the, about the culture of the All Blacks. There's a, and anyway, it describes that there's, there's always phases in anything where there's the development phase the success phase where it's going well and then it starts to deteriorate and it falls and then it recurs again. And the trick is to jump out when it's still in the good phase. I always wanted to be Famishon, not Fennec, you know. (laughs) I wanted to quit as a world champion and not come back and have, you know, anyway. Yeah, that was a good fight, I remember that one. And um, yeah, so anyway, I was, uh, I'd just done two tours. I'd done a sellout comedy festival, the Athenaeum, and then I wrote the book. And at the time, t- tell me how it went. Did you think, you know what, I've got enough material here, I really think this could be a book, or did a, a publisher approach you? How did it work? Uh, I approached them and they said, yeah, okay. I wrote some samples and they went, all right, yep, I can see that. And there was a bit of buzz around at the time, you know, uh, Athenaeum's a big place, I was selling that out. 
um, things were happening. So that was, oh, yeah, that guy, that's good. And, um, uh, and then I, had, I sat down for three months and wrote. And that was very difficult. Well, that's what I want to ask about. So the, the premise of these podcasts are about comedians who write and write beyond just the sketch. And, and Evan, you, you may have some thoughts on this as well because there are comedians who just seem to be in the present moment doing their, their stuff. But really what's going on is the writerly mind who has actually, you know, concentrated on a, on a, on a concept and really extrapolated. And probably if one of the things that you do so well is to take the minutiae and turn it into something so relative that the rest of us just lose it because we, we have been there, we just didn't know we were there until you told us. Sure. So when you got down to the writing of this, you had to maybe stop looking at, you know, the, the material that was going out there and really start to hone it down. And I'm interested in how you did that because some of this material is transcribed from your stand-up. Correct. And some of it you worked on as, as pieces. Well, that's right. I, uh, that, see, it's really, it's a different age. Now, Eva, you'd do stuff up on YouTube, wouldn't you? You'd put yeah, stuff yeah, a bit of YouTube. Well, it's it's easier now, like because uh, you can film something, you can edit it, and then throw it up on a YouTube channel, and, and you're probably gonna, you know, people. We, there's no TV spots for comedians really anymore, yeah. so you can no just tonight do, shows, no tonight shows. You so you can just do whatever you want, put it on your own channel, Facebook, Instagram, whatever you need to do to. So in '98, late '90, there was none of that. So I had a backlog of audio tapes and. Uh, notes and uh, all sorts of stuff from just about every gig going way back. And I, the first thing I did was transcribe all of that. So I had this, this raw mountain and then it had to be, so what will this look like? And I knew that I wanted a book that would be short chapters um, for people to, and not necessarily linked chapters. I, I, I distinctly wanted the book to be something you could just pick up if you're busy, read that. People go, oh, read that in the toilet. And I go, yes, yeah, as long as you... As long as you paid the full price, mate. I, <laughs> I mean, thank you for sharing, but I don't care. It, look, it does have that component to it. It does. Well, still, I don't think anyone could get through a full chapter in a toilet, though, unless they're very unwell. Some of them are small. <laughs> <laughs> the, and the people too. Um, no, but but I but so I'm interested in that because when I read it, I read it with your voice, and that's yeah. easy to do because you've been. Promoted. I wanted to write it that way too. I wanted to write it as. Um, uh, in I wanted to write it in the way I speak. So then I spent the three months in a room um, going, partly going through notes, but also just writing fresh in that voice and, and fleshing out stuff. Because some something would take them from stand-up, but it was like 100 words and it needs to now be a, a chapter. So let's take it a bit further. I really, Actually, that was the part I really enjoyed. You know how in stand-up we're always trying to just use the right word? Yeah, and limit the amount of words you use, That's so it. cut it down. To get it to the perfect yeah. ones and then just put that and then get more. And So I, what I found fun about writing is I could uh, stretch it out. I could wander down a path. We all know as stand-ups, and Eva will tell you, that we worry if we go too far off the track, the audience, we lose the audience. But I think you're allowed to in writing. You, in fact, readers, if you're writing... In, in a style that's engaging, readers kind of like those paths. They've got the time, you've got the time, let's go down those paths. I found that a lot of fun. 
and, and quite possibly the audience does when you do that as a comedian as well. I suppose what I worry about is going down the path too far. You can't actually remember what you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, there's that. <laughs> um, which is quite... People limited. do that in everyday life. They're in a conversation like, what the fuck are you talking about? Well, yeah, do. I don't know. I don't know anymore. They do, Evan, and I worry about doing the same material to my wonderful uh, return uh, audience that come uh, to all of our shows. But then I realise if I can't remember what I did at the last show, they've got no fucking hope. So um, <laughs> it's all work. But no, the, the, po- the point of it is, um, and, and I think you'll appreciate this, you're, you're an intelligent audience, you can appreciate that even though you want to believe the comedian is just talking off the top of the head, chances are they've actually done some preparation. Now, there are those that don't. There are those freak comedians that can simply just stand in a space and just, you know, be present and, and be incredibly funny. But for the most part, most people prep. And and I've noticed there's you, you're a strong mentor, Richard, in the field and, and Evan's one of your mentees. Is that fair to say? Nah. But, um... I hate the prick. He's <laughs> an <laughs> asshole. I, uh... Yeah. No, I'm. I'm. Uh, uh, no, not really. Isn't it funny? I. Unless someone asks me, uh, I don't say anything. Because the the last thing young folk need is I travel around and I see all these comics doing this thing. The last thing they need is to me to dad explain them about. Now here's how you want to be doing that a bit better. <laughs> Now, you want to hold the mic like this. It's about your shoulders. Is that true, Heaven? Well, I think... Well, I'm 36, but there are some young people who probably weren't even... No, we think of you as young, Evan. You're young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there's like 18-year-olds. They're half my age. And and, and so they're going... They wouldn't have heard of Stubbsy. They're like, who the fuck is Stubbsy? I do anything. I do gigs on the Gold Coast staying at at the guy who's the promoter's place, and which I didn't realise when I said yes to doing the gigs. He's a 20-something. I said, where am I staying? He goes, in the spare room. <laughs> and I'm like, did, did Fleety sleep on this mattress? And they got the said, light out there, the blue light. Going, yeah, oh, no, this no, is it's like a Jason Pollock. Jesus. <laughs> That's a joke. I, um, no, so I'm doing gigs in, in Gold Coast bars, you know, where the blokes have got shiny tracks in and they all go, oh, mate, I've had a bad day. Yeah, righto. That's not Husey. That's <laughs> that's not that's very meth. good, is it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah. And then so I don't say anything. No, of course they're like twenty. They go, "Have you done this long?" And I go, "How old are you?" Twenty-five. Yeah, relatively. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. But if people ask, yeah, then I'll try and help. Well, I think and, is the answer to the question. And you, okay, well, well, I, I'm moving on from that then because I get, I do get the sense, Evan, that a lot of your work certainly uh, there, there, there is a, a sort of a sense memory about it, a kind of an approach to the audience and the way that you deal with, uh, you know, the feedback that you're kind of hoping to initiate from them, and there, there is some similarities there. I think that's fair to say. Not yeah, that but ripping I, him I, off. I like Evo's style. It's, it's his style, and he, you're right in that uh, he's got that lovely. I mean, one of his great strengths is his warmth on stage. Mm. I'd, do you reckon come that would come, come out, I, guys? That was that was all. Don't do that, mate. Because if the, they say no, no. <laughs> it all goes to nothing. Oh, See, I'm teaching Christ. you every step of the way. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, I didn't ask Richard. Oh. I didn't ask. All right, oh. so shut the mate, fuck I, up. I can't no, see. No, no. I can't see you going forward, getting smacked. You brave little soldier. <laughs> so, Evan, how do you go about writing your material? Then uh, mine is a lot of it's everyday. Uh, you know, everyday things that'll happen. But, you know, I, I'm i probably a bit more, I think Stubbsy, he said he, I was talking to him before because I asked him, 
And uh, he said, uh, he said oh, I'm a bit more bullet point where I think I'm, I'm, say, six years in and I think I'm a bit more structured with I'm like, I've got to hit this word, I've got to hit that word and I'll sort of be like, bang, there's the punchline. Uh, so the more I do it, I think I'll, I'll, I'll relax a bit more and just be like, okay, this is something that happened. I just want to hit, get to this point here. Um, so I'm a bit more about word economy at the moment of cutting down any words I don't need. Um, and, and then obviously... Um, like I said, yeah, probably a bit more structured, I'd say, than um, sort of stubs. Well, how do you source your material then? What 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 springs up for you? Um, things like, well, it's good if your brother's a junkie and things <laughs> like that. Um, Endless material. That yeah. always helps. Uh, family life is always good. And a lot of the time it's stuff that you sort of, uh, well, you look back, you know, that story about New Zealand, you know, it was something that you go, oh, fuck, that's a funny story. How do I put that on stage? You know, you work the callback through, you know, dad hitting you with a belt or something. And that's that's really yeah. tricky too. Whatever I was talking about isn't easy. I've got, I've got stories that I think are funny. And this goes back to the book. I've got stories that I think are funny and I can't work out how to tell them on stage. Which is that difference, isn't it, between someone who's funny at a party. Oh, and they're really funny. Get them on stage, see if they're funny. Eh, it's a different skill. Well, that was the thing with that. A lot of that stuff with the belt and then him. Like a lot of the crowd are a bit like, fuck, did that actually... You know, you put a bit of mayo on it, but uh, but also you don't want the crowd to think this poor kid. He is, uh, oh yeah, yeah, and the, the father, yeah. So you sort of you got to try and uh, get little ways of uh, sort of breaking the tension and things like that. Otherwise, uh, a lot of you are probably thinking this guy's had a horrific childhood. Uh, mate, it doesn't matter why they applaud. <laughs> Sympathy's <laughs> as just as good. I him as well. Sympathy's just as good. Yeah. Oh, poor little bugger. Put your hands together forever. <laughs> hey, um, I've got a question for you. If you were to write a book, would you write? I, I see it as being uh, it's got sporting theme in there. Yeah. Would you write the way that you you are on stage telling stories, or would you like to write a narrative about I don't know a cricket team, a, a season in the life of the hockey team, whatever? Yeah. Oh well, to be honest, I, I haven't really thought about that. Cause now's I your time. Never, mate. Now's my time. I'm on the spot. You got ten talk? seconds, Evan. Yeah. Okay. I reckon uh, narrative, mate. Yeah. Mm. I would just go. I'd. I'd write it. I reckon I'd just go bang, 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 see what yeah, comes out. But then I'd uh, edit and uh, at the end I'd probably go, this is shit, throw it all out and then uh, no, try no, the other way. Because I'm interested in this. So we, we asked Rod Quantock a, a similar question and my concern is that if you either put all of your material into a you know, literary uh, form or you perform it and then record it and put it out there on uh, the interweb, that basically you've given, you know, you, 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 your powder's no longer dry. Yeah, yeah. So you've shot your load. But... Uh, but Rod was of the opinion that, Still in fact, no, it. that actually just creates hunger and thirst for more. So I'm, mm. I'm interested in that. So you put, you know, the bulk of your material – this is 20 years ago, you've written a lot more yeah, since yeah. – but you put the bulk of your material in that. And I've heard some of these routines, but reading them was a different experience to seeing you do it live. Because it was, it was time. Um, sometimes – I think Rod's right. I, I think that you – it doesn't necessarily kill all the material. And we see that with all the comedians who put up Netflix specials mm. and put up put up grabs on YouTube and fact, all the stuff that we would think, oh, mate, really? Giving it what away. A, yeah, giving it away, exactly. I know that logic. Um, but with this, it was an opportunity to do something more with it and take it a bit further. And I, I'm interested that Evo, because we write differently, like most of tonight I hadn't – it was coming out of my mouth and I was hearing it when you were. And um, whereas – I like his approach and I think it would work better for a book. Whereas I'm I, I, writing, I'm too slow at the actual act of writing. 
and the feedback thing too. The, the other telling thing he said, which he'd, he'd write it and then he'd think, oh, this is shit and throw it in the bin. As stand-ups, and you know this all too well, we get our instant, we've got an instant feedback loop. And one of the hard things as a writer was I had to draw on an imaginary audience uh, who, who are reading, not sitting, uh, laughing in a dark room. So what is that like? And you don't have that immediate feedback loop. You know all too well. Well, no, you don't. And, and in a comedy room, if you're not getting laughs every couple of minutes, then chances are you're not doing your job very well. But what I noticed in the book was that I would read quite long chunks of it. No facial expression changed. Maybe a cup of tea ordered. Um, 11-year-old's good at making tea now. It's a very good, good age. Um, but every now and again, there was a massive laugh-out-loud moment. And you kind of think, you know what, if this was in a comedy room, I would have already been laughing for 10 or 15 mm. minutes leading up to this. So there, there is that sort of explosion. Mm. And, and I suppose that's, a, you know, that's a, a great result. I think if I were to do another one, it would be a narrative something that's... That's how I think about it. Well, I want to talk about some of the subjects. So j- just to give you some, you know, some reference points, um, probably the first time I saw you, I think, was at the Dick Whittington in St okay, Kilda sure. a very, very long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I remember you did a, the routine about the spider. Now, Richard does an amazing routine about spiders. It's extremely funny. It's, you know, for all of us who've experienced spiders, etc. But I've seen you do that several times over a 20-year period and interestingly enough, it doesn't get old. Surely some material does, but for some reason that doesn't. So, um, mm. I, well, spiders I'm, are still around, so it's very relevant, around. isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and they look pretty much the same. We're yeah, still yeah, they haven't them. really changed at all, have they? Yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> that's right. Some things, uh, some things do, some things don't, and also some things lie fallow for quite some time, and then I, I go, oh, that just happened. Like a spider scared me or something, and I, it'll trigger all that again. Like I haven't done that routine in a million years, but. I probably could tomorrow if I thought about it and went, oh, yeah, there's that. Uh, so uh, some, some do, some don't. I, th- I think you put your finger on it, that, that stuff that is still universal. And it's interesting. I was saying to Dave O'Neill, does it matter if you're old doing stand-up? And he went, no, nah, it's just going to be funny. <laughs> funny well, beats everything. And I went, all right, good funny, d- funny does beat everything. So, so let's talk about that. So you have had a long career and then like many comedians. Not past tense. Don't think we you need to. You have had a long career. <laughs> you have. Like you, a lot of you are This is the last yeah. time you were seen. The stand-up yeah. realm moved into lucrative uh, breakfast radio and then the ABC, which is not lucrative, but we still like to, you know, uh, we like to support that. Uh, but, but, but so radio really, radio takes that place for comedians. It's almost as if they've attained the goal and they no longer have to go out there to face the public anymore. Mm. They can do it in the confines of a radio booth and uh, get paid considerably more money. So you had this huge career in radio and then, as you told the audience tonight, you quit. And I want to talk about that because I was listening uh, the day you quit. I nearly fell off my chair. Um, uh, you know, there's a, a silver lining for every cloud. For me, it was like, great, I might be able to afford to book him now. That's good. Um, <laughs> but I'll be really honest, since your departure from the ABC, and this is just a, a personal statement, and I really respect uh, many of the people that have worked on that program since, I haven't really been very engaged. And uh, I think they've all done a terrific job, the people mm. that they've replaced, and they've been desperate to replace you with other females because they have a diversity issue at the ABC, as we do everywhere. But... Um, but I'm interested to know what, what led up to that decision because it really is kind of the dream job. Yeah, it is, except that, again, I come back to this thing. It's in me. Uh, I never want to phone anything in. So the honest answer to all this, I, I didn't quite quit the way I said I did tonight. I, <laughs> what had happened, um, so I raised my kids and took them through high school and while I was working away at the ABC, they were going through high school. And uh, then 
they left high school and my mum's health started deteriorating so I started to look after her. And as that escalated, and a lot of you are of an age, you understand what I'm talking about here, uh, as that escalated, I was more and more looking after her and she, uh, I kept her at home, her home, which is just around the corner to me, kept her at home um, and brought care in as the care became more and more. I never wanted her to go anywhere except her home and so I would be there in the morning and I'm there at night and doing dinners and doing everything and uh, coordinating, being the family concierge and uh, coordinating my brothers and getting them to do things and other family members and coordinating the nursing team and doing all that. And as it progressed and um, then, uh, you know, more and more, doing more care, everything, showering, uh, toileting, everything, like a nurse. And, um, and that was great. That was good. Uh, not exactly great. But it was... Um, Ah, it's just the, the nature of the disease. It's very difficult to um, fight uh, dementia because you know that, and it just was bad for me because I, I knew I couldn't win. It took a long time for me to come to terms with that, that I can't save mum, that, um, that I would do everything and I can't save her. And so the most I could do was give her a good day and then tomorrow another good day and do that and felt like the Irish guards at Dunkirk retreating a step at a time. I, um, I got to the end of that. Mum passed in the year I quit. Also in that year, 2015, I'd, um, I'd done uh, the centenary broadcast from Gallipoli and veterans and veteran interviews and things. It's always been a big part of my interest and in what I wanted to do. I really wanted to get those stories heard and stuff. So that was like a pinnacle for me. So that I did that and mum passed. And suddenly I wasn't a carer anymore and my kids are in their 20s and they don't need someone to take them to school. And I realised, wow, I've, uh, I've done this same job for 11 years and I love it, but I'm going to start phoning it in. It's not enough in my life and everything in my life has now changed. Um, the cosmos is pointing me one way. It's time for me to just change. Well, that's quite heartbreaking, Richard. So even though you make lots of self-deprecating comments about having quit, not having a lot of time on your or having too much time on your hands anymore, so in retrospect, was that still the right thing to do? Oh, hugely the right thing to do. No, I critically, and anyone who's looked after anyone, uh, anyone who's been a carer will know exactly what I mean. No, I had to critically spend some time trying to make myself happy again. And the best way for me to do that is to go and make people happy. So back to stand-up, back to shitty bars, clubs, anything. Um, get on stage, do anything, muck around um, because I needed, I needed that again. You needed that again. Mm. So, so ostentatious, ha sorry. How long had it been? So you're doing radio. Were you gigging during radio at all? Yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. Um, but not – there's just yeah. – raising kids and, and working, uh, you just don't – don't have time unless you're Husey. It just is somehow yeah. always there. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> and um, I admire it. I'm like, oh man. Um, so I do corporate work. So I still do corporate work, and I do corporate work as well. But the the stand up circuit as such, nah. So when I came back to it, no one knew who I was. Mm. I didn't even know where comedy was on. I had to start out by going around to look at comedy rooms again and go, oh, okay, this is what it is. This is what it's like. What, can I get ten minutes? Can I get five minutes? You know. Uh, four and minutes at a sign. Yeah, yeah four right. minutes and no fee. Flash so, the light, so, that's so what, right, and no fee. And no fee. What was that like for you, Richard? And Evan, what was it like for you? Because I would imagine you, like me, would have been a bit of a fan of, of, of the Stubbsy, of the, yeah. of, the, of the great name. 
And what was it like for you to see him back in the circuit again and get to work with him again? Because, you know, I'm still, still, as far as I'm concerned, Feather and Cap having you here. So, yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. And I sort of, um, I look up to guys like uh, Stubbsy, the Dave O'Neills, uh, even guys like Pommy Johnson, guys who are sort of made it or, or doing it full-time in Australia. And ladies. And ladies. And ladies. Uh, what I say, guys, you know, Fiona Lachlan and, and yeah, it's just, uh, it's... Um, People who are doing it full-time in Australia, like a lot of uh, comedians look at, um, you know, overseas, like American acts and whatever. And uh, I just thought, well, that's never going to be me. So I just thought, you know, the, the, the people and the, the comedians who are doing it full-time in Australia, they go country, they do rural gigs, whatever gig it is, uh, they're the people I sort of looked up to because I think that's, if I'm going to make it, that's what I'm going to have to do. That's right. There is no career tra- trajectory. There are just pubs. And mm. then yeah. and everyone's right too. There's no Tonight Show. I mean, I, I did 120 Tonight Shows, and and I I feel sad that of all we copy everything from America, everything, everything, and um, but we don't copy Tonight Shows. We got a million Tonight Shows. We did for a while. We had yeah, we, we'd have one. And you then, had but, one. Uh, Liza well, had Tonight one. Live, Malloy had and, one. And I did stuff on that. And then there was, um, and then um, of course Rove had his show. And, and then Rove. but that's been years now. Yeah. And there's. Millions of them, because when you think of it, free to air is a dying planet, and it's only got it's, it's only got really three things. Um, it's got sport because you want to watch that live, you can't time shift it. Uh, it's got reality TV because you want to watch that live, you can't time shift it. You want to see it as the episode drops. You know who's she marrying, who's he marrying, whatever. And the other one is Tonight Shows because they're in the moment. A guest, a thing, you can't, it's not as good to time shift. Mm. But we don't do the time, Tonight Show we, one. Well, we do the project and that's kind of taken that place, but they had to fight hard for that slot and they had yeah. to fight is hard that for a, that format. Do you reckon that's a Tonight Show? That's, that's a news show it's hybrid, It's the only thing it? we have. It's news done differently. Yeah. Because uh, I don't know. Man, good phrase. Well. Man, you are I should. I should be writing for oh, people. Oh, yes, I should. Yeah. <laughs> Um, now, to get back to the scary past tense thing, though, the, I mean, so, so radio really for so many has been the, the, the ultimate and then you've stepped away from it again. So yeah, yeah. how are you feeling about the live scene now that – well, you've been back for three years. How, yeah, yeah. How, how's it been going for you then? Good. It's fun. Um, it's, uh, I, I love doing gigs. I love doing awful gigs uh, where there's <laughs> 10 people. I love doing gigs where there's 2,000. I don't care. I was uh, trying to explain to Evo and he was looking at me where he, he started to look at his phone, to be honest. But, <laughs> but Fubbed by the best of them. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> Richard ha- About halfway in, he just dropped off. He stayed with me for as long as he could. Jeez, you were going for a while. I know, Jesus I understand. Christ, I, wind it up, Jim. And it was one of those ones where I couldn't stop. I, I couldn't stop at all. I was going downhill. I was just, and then... <laughs> And then another thing happened. I just couldn't well, well, then I, I want to hark back to what, what I would call the sort of slightly halcyonic days of stand-up comedy where you actually could choose to be a comedian and yeah, yeah. that's really what you did. And, and no better place was The Last Laugh. And Richard, you, uh, like many people who performed at The Last Laugh, had another job there as well. Yeah, I was a waiter and barman. And bouncer, is that right? No. Why is that the myth that because I have? Because I've got resting bitch face. No. When you're listening. Do, do you not have karate skills as well? There was one assault once, <laughs> and I, I, I went and helped Dave Swan, wherever he is. Probably he's in this. Byron Bay now. Yeah. Okay. Well, he can still selling He's pasta. got the internet. He could. He could like listen. <laughs> yeah, but his to kids this. are at Steiner, so um, he's happy. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so that no no it's just a, a a waiter and a and a barman. 
That's all I ever was. Again, to explain, so for those of you who never actually managed to, to make it to that iconic venue on the corner of Johnson and Smith Street in Collingwood, uh, it was begun by a man called John Pinder and colleagues. Uh, it was later taken over by a man called Ricky McKenna and I believe his sister was also a partner at the mm-hmm. time. And and there, there was no other place like it in the world. If, if you were anyone in comedy, that was almost the heartland of, of, of stand-up in Melbourne especially and, of course, because we were the third biggest yeah, yeah. comedy sort of, you know, hub Well, it was early world. days. You mentioned Rod Quantock. He yeah. started out, you know, the Flying Trapeze yeah, and the all those little gigs. There were little theatre restauranty places. I think, honestly, we, this comes full circle, this discussion, because what we miss not having, um, and I feel for it a bit, there's no curated venue like The Last Laugh for comedians. It's just dog eat dog. You get on, you do your bit, you get off. You don't get feedback. You just don't get booked. You do get booked. You do it for nothing. Oh, there's a tryout room. They're all getting paid nothing. They're killing you. There's no... Pinder and Evans had that uh, custodianship of they wanted you to be better. And so they gave you feedback. Feedback now that would make you cry in modern world to get... <laughs> but in a more gentle... It was a less less gentle age. And... But but still, you had someone who cared about what you were doing, and I, I don't know. I, I I I the thing that hits me when I go around is ah, oh, everyone's just trying on. They don't know what they're doing. They're all on their own. Yeah, well, there's there's just so many. Well, anyone can call themselves a comedian these days, and and they sort of do. And many do. And people do. Yeah, they do one gig. Oh, I'm a comedian. Yeah, see, I don't mind really, that. Yeah, I I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, you know, we few, we precious few. He that tells a knock-knock joke on stage with me, she'll, you know, he's my brother or my sister. I don't care. You get up, you do a gig, you're a comedian. Now we're just talking about how good you are. Yeah. And that, all right, you've done it. Good on you. But, you know, see, see There's how you so many, com- so many different rooms and the progression, I think, is uh, unless you get signed by someone, yeah. um, which, is, which is rare with the amount of people that are doing it, um, yeah, you sort of got to go, go out and find your own work and... and, and Look for different places to get paid work and things and like that. Terrifyingly, yeah. I started that whole comedians in radio thing. Like I was the first. This is horrendous. Three XY. Horrendous. Yeah, XY Zoo. I, I was the I was the first uh, to do a breakfast show with a bunch of people. One of whom's a stand-up comic. Everybody's looking at me like, right? That's <laughs> like how we all do it. And I go, yeah, I know, but horribly, sickeningly, I was actually the first, and uh, and it started off from that. I find that quite weird. I can't explain that to people. Um, and and are, are you missing it? Because you, you've got a couple of weeks coming up on Triple Yeah, I always like radio. I like chatting to folk. I talk in lifts. I used to talk a lot to folk in the supermarket about what they're buying and what I was buying and i got time on my hands. And then I worked out that, no, there are people actually paid to do that. And that's what they thought. Oh, have you seen Stubbsy? He's done it. He's lucky. He's spooky in the supermarket. What, uh, what do you reckon will be your end gig, by the way? Do you ever think about it? Do you ever think, will you be in the retirement home going, is this on? Turn up your <laughs> Yeah, I reckon that is it because um, I will I will just be doing country gigs. I will be, um, well, my girlfriend, hopefully, she'll be a doctor. So she is. And she's still with you? She's still with me. Chose we're, wisely. We're okay. engaged. We're engaged. I didn't finish still? the rest of that. But still engaged, yeah. She hasn't okay. worked out on my dickhead yet. So. But, I mean, at the end of your career, she's you're still engaged. Um... <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I hope so. I, I yeah. believe It was that. a big rock. It was think, a big rock. Yeah. Marry her, Evan. Massive. Marry yeah. her quickly. No, I've done Engagement that. should never last more I've than engaged. six months. We're engaged, so uh, we just got to work it out. But no, I think... Uh, so you, I see the two of you in a camper van 
possibly painted down the side with your bonds 20, 30 years from now. Yeah. Ooh, and, that's a scary thought. And you just, My head. Well, it's a big camera. I think it's ScoMo's bus. <laughs> and, um, and, and you're just travelling. To rural gigs, yeah. like the Rainmaker. Yes, it's a film. It's in black and white. Yeah. Doesn't Lancaster. matter. That's most um, of the gigs hey, um, I do. I, I bought all, all my own sound and lighting. Yeah. And I go to the gig. I yeah, set, it, set up, it up. Sporting clubs. That's not going to end. And then I get then I get the big names in, and yeah. I set it up. I get on stage, and everyone's seen me set the gear up and all that, and uh, and I walk away, and then I pack it all down. So yeah. uh, I'm. Uh, I'm going to change. So we'll be doing that. There's a there's a 70. certain there's a certain quiet nobility to that. Yeah. I don't see myself going out that way. I'll tell you when you know I've hit rock bottom. You're flying in international and you've come in at one of those flights that land you in Melbourne at three in the morning and you're in three in the morning and they've got the bottle shops open and there's some bloke there <laughs> with a little box loudspeaker and he's going, Midori, half price, 30 bucks, the Stolik Naya vodka. That's here too. And then I'll finish up about four and I'll go home and my loving partner will have a bit of a tea on and a toasted sanger. How'd you go? Yeah, good. Good. The Midori tripped me up again. Gee, it's a bastard. Uh, you know, that, that'll, that'll be me. That's where I am. Now, that and a bit of red spot special. I'm, I'm cutting in here. Speaking of partners, um, I have uh, watched you perform several times and I have watched your partner watch you perform several times and sh- she's your biggest fan. Well, she's ne- never actually... Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I was going to say something smart-ass then, but I'm going to just... Uh, she yells at me and just to say, yes, she is. She's uh, scarily supportive. I find it disturbing. <laughs> Never well, really many, had that growing up. Not many partners come to gigs, but no, Kim, no, right? she's at, uh, she well, is it was at every gig. Well, here's the other thing you'd appreciate too. Uh, this time around in the Renaissance, I'd never actually shared the process of stand-up and everything with anyone, but I wanted to do it. We were going to do it together, so she's going to come and I'm going to share the so whole ride. And you're a team. Yeah, yeah, because that way you're a team. I'm not doing something that she can't understand. Like, it makes me laugh because she manages me and looks after me, but she used to work for Sony Music. So she toured literally, personally, uh, Mick Jagger, Michael Jackson, uh, Billy Joel. Well, don't ask uh, about how that, what happened there, mate. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that'll be another, <laughs> no, another and, terrible and now she's touring story. You. you might no, get some point more is, material it makes out me of laugh. it. Yeah. We, I go to a shitty comedy gig with a sticky carpet and it's run by a comedian who's unemployable and <laughs> and she's having to talk to them and I'm going, yeah, I can see. Look look at her remembering what she used to do. Now look where she is. And there's ten people here. And, uh, hey, hey, get on board this bus. It's going straight to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> But I think the fun of it for me is it's all part of what I'm enjoying. It was a deliberate thing so that she could see me do my first 10 minutes and see that and then we could work together from the first 10 minutes up to doing an hour and doing a comedy festival again and then on and doing gigs and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, stuff. I've got a different question too. Uh, Richard, you've been working a long time and so have you, Evan. The, the landscape's changed. Uh, female comedians are incredibly hot at the moment. Hard to book. I can't get many females to come here because they're all uh, you know, out of my price range or too busy. But also the entire landscape has shift, shifted. And also just reading this book, and this is not a slot on your writing at all. Yeah, it looks old, doesn't it? No, no, but 20 years ago we spoke differently and you can yeah, pick yeah. it up. If you read a book 20 years ago that is talking about contemporary moors, um, we, we've changed. 
and and that's a great thing. Our, yeah. our, our level of tolerance has changed, and our relationship and the way we communicate around tolerance has changed. But how 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 do you cope as a fella in the comedy scene now, knowing that there are certain areas where it's just no longer okay to go? Rodney Roode, for example. I, I don't think that's a. Th- oh, if I can speak for himself, I personally, not a problem. I. I like to include everyone. If you think about what I did tonight, my feeling is my job is to entertain. You shouldn't feel marginalised sitting in the audience for any reason. Uh, Race, religions, sex, doesn't matter. You should feel comfortable. You should be allowed to have a night out and you can just relax and not get dragged by some idiot on stage. And I've always kind of felt that. And um, I have zero problem with... um, that our language has changed. Language is dynamic. Culture is dynamic. Of course it changes. And in fact, it's the ones we point at are the ones who haven't changed. You know, because they still think it's 1960 or whatever that period is. When Stubbsy first started. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> um, no, well, my dad likes to say feminism, it's all very well, but it's just gone too far. <laughs> uh, yes. But, you know, all of that stuff. And also, too, you, it's a different world. As a comedian, I look for I look at how funny the person is. Nothing more. Don't judge them on anything else. And uh, and you can't be blind to privilege. Like you just can't. You watch female comics have to deal over the years. I've always been struck by it. You watch the shit they have to deal with that you don't have to deal with, and you can't be blind to the privilege that is just because you won the randomness of being a male comedian. Like you can't be blind to it. So. I'm not with you that on that. I I just think oh fuck and and often you know when things are out of balance as they skew back to to level to the to the one that had the the most as opposed to the least it feels like a loss. It's actually just leveling up. So I it doesn't none of that worries me. How about you, Evan? Are you ever more conscious yeah, you're now? In it now. Say the opposite. Yeah. Go on. No, you notice you... I took all the space. Oh, my too. head is just going a million miles. I, I don't know what the, the fuck's going to come yeah. out now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good luck, mate. No, I guess the point is, what a lot of male comedians have to confront now is the casual slip of the of the line and and the kind of uh, Twitter outrage or the social media feedback that comes from that. It, it it is. It's a different. It's a it's a different kind of a pressure cooker, and and we we've all had to change all of us. Yeah, I think uh, social media has been a big thing. It's not just in comedy; it's just in uh, it's whatever, whether it's the news or whatever. People are so quick to jump down someone's throat if they say something, slip of the tongue, and a lot of it's uh, it may not even be that bad. But I think myself, I don't really find it for me. Like I, I, I don't really push too many boundaries. Um, I'm a bit like Stubbsy in a way that I just want, you know. I mean, not everyone's gonna. Jump on board with what you do, like and that's a great mm. thing about comedy. It's uh, it's people's opinion. It's uh, you know like and we're a broad church, aren't we? There are lots of different comedians, and that's a good thing. Yeah. So and, and but I'm also with I think funny's funny whether you're male, female, whatever you are. If, if you're funny, like you'll get booked. You will uh, you know you'll get work and and um, yeah. Let's just enjoy people I, being funny. There is, is there, that all right? I, I, I really know. feel that it's just about being empathetic and and feeling. How would you feel in the audience if you were listening? Is that does it ring true? That keeps you pretty level. The only thing I am aware of, and um, like tonight, I made up most of this the set, just mucking around with ideas and new things that were just came to me as I was talking. And comedians do that. We link ideas. We we just put them together as words, and we try them, and then we go, ah, that's not right, and we move all the parts around, and then the next night it's the same idea, but it's all been moved around. Mm. So sometimes in that process, you'll try something, 
And what you say is like, yeah, Hitler, I think he was misunderstood. And, and then that doesn't land and you go, oh, let's not do that Hitler thing that way. Let's do it the other way. <laughs> Hitler, he was a bastard. Oh, that worked better. Um, but they're just words. Mm. You're just playing with the words to try to find the mm. right combination. And I, the only thing I, I draw a line on is sometimes as comedians, you're just working it out. You're not stuck on it. You don't, it's not your philosophy. You're just trying words. Um, and that th sometimes it's harsh if you get marked on that, but that's the way life is. And it's very mercurial. Also, Richard, I mean, you rely to, to a certain extent on, on the uh, hopefully the possibility that people have actually read the newspaper for the week, but they don't always. They don't. Yeah. They're not always informed. But but a lot of your work is incredibly well informed, and you stay across. You know, you have a, you have a, a, a you know a, a broad readership by the by the looks of it. I like random shit. You do. Um, yeah. But also, just listening to all of the years of you interviewing people on the radio too, mm. you you were always very well informed about their but, content. But honestly, isn't it everyone's nightmare that you're going to interview someone and you haven't done your homework? That's my nightmare. Don't you wake up at night screaming, thinking, oh, my well, God. Well, I'm shitty. I, I didn't read your book. I'm like, fuck, I'm out of my depth here. Hey, you know, and, and don't think I don't feel that. <laughs> like, don't think that, that's yeah. gone unnoticed. No, but you, imagine, Evo, that you're going to talk to anyone. Uh, 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 movie stars don't matter because they're doing it for... <laughs> no, honestly, they don't. Yeah, they're they just don't doing care it for a job. Yeah. No, they, they don't care who you are. They're just yeah. coming to bark like a seal on the ball and then they're off. They're not... But if you're talking to someone whose story they've never told before, like a veteran, don't drop that shit. Like, yeah. you better be ready. You, you imagine not being match fit going into that. That's my nightmare. So I don't ever think it's a big deal. I would read books, study, know, and, and then uh, think about... So if I'm chatting to Evo and he's got that big movie out and he's been on every radio station, I'm also thinking, what can I talk to him that will be Different. unique content? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What is the unique content? Yeah, of course. Of course Absolutely. You, of course you get ready. Why would you not? Oh, regrettably, many, many don't. But how, how do you feel about uh, Australians who aren't interested in uh, state politics, federal politics, etc.? Do, do you feel you lose Fine. them ever or do you...? Do you um, no, I think I, if you're not up with it, I try and tell stories in a way that explain it if you're not. Yeah, and I reckon and no I'm not into there. politics, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah, Dutton does have a weird head. Yeah. Like, yeah. Exactly right. He's got a weird. You, head. you don't have to be into it. Nah. And nah. honestly, I think we'd be a better place if we were less into it, because all discourse now. What do I want for Christmas? I want people to listen to someone else's opinion and say the words, "Wow, that's there's some good points. I hadn't really thought of it that way. I'm going to have to have a think about what I believe." Even as I say it now, everyone's looking shocked at me because who says that anymore? We used to listen to each other and then change our mind going, wow, good argument. Yeah, all right. Shit, yeah, I'm going to have to think about that. All right. Well, listen, uh, to wrap this up, Richard, you mentioned tonight in your routine that, of course, we're all going to get a chance to be Prime Minister. Yeah. So when it's your turn, mm. what will you do? The Stubbs government. It's, uh, it's a golden time. Uh, it's a golden time. It's a sun-kissed time. Uh, look, I think there's a chicken in every pot. Um, what... What would be some of my big, big cornerstone kind of ideas? Uh, the retirement age. What? What? You're 61, are you? Not? Yeah. Would you, would you bring Why it down? Would you bring that up, Evan? Well, I was shocked. I was shocked. I thought Stubbsy, he's 50 in his 50s. And yeah, I looked, sure. I go, fuck, you're looking good. You are looking good for your age, man. Well, that's the Lord, man. Yeah. And, <laughs> that's and, doing that's And doing when we're radio. touring through the country, I want to speak to you about his message to you. Yeah. 
when we're in the bus together, just the two of us for a long it's drive a sedan. to Yaroa. It's not a bus. And, and, what? It's a sedan. What lever oh, would you pull, Evan, if you sedan. suddenly, it, like ScoMo, who got to, you know, you imagine him getting to work that day going, No, oh, no, oh, seriously, oh, he, had no, he had no idea. No, like, because yeah. Julia Gillard did know because she had her hair done. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was on. It was, it was all on. on. But as you say, it was a Stephen Bradbury moment. Yeah. So if, if you, if you like ScoMo, suddenly went, hey, check this out. Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd start reading books real quick. <laughs> Do you, but do you have to? Surely you'd have other flogs in the in the in Canberra who read the books and can tell you about it. Yeah, yeah. My mates aren't that good to me. No, I'll be like, hey boys, you know what's going on here? Nah, sorry mate, you're on your own. I'm like, oh Jesus. No, okay, that's interesting because I would not appoint my mates as the cabinet, and, <laughs> but I like your cabinet better. <laughs> what are the names? What are the nicknames of your mates? Uh, Macca. So he's uh, treasurer. Macca. <laughs> Buzz. Buzz is foreign uh, affairs. Is, uh, there's Youngy. Yeah, there's, Youngy. Uh, good on him. Veteran uh, affairs. Fraser, uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, uh, mate. Uh, mate, we uh, are. Environment minister. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy, what's it going? Mate, it's shit. Don't yeah. blame me. It's Buzz's fault. <laughs> That's exactly how it would go. Yeah. yeah that'd be awesome. But interestingly, yeah. it's it's easy to point out, isn't it? It's easy to point out. It's probably very, very hard to do. No. You don't think? What about all those times we didn't have a prime minister during those heady uh, Gillard Rudd. Oh, there was six weeks. There was six weeks last year. It went really well, didn't it? Exactly, Mike. Yeah. Nothing yeah. happens when we when we go through those weird phases where oh, the government stopped itself because you know God forbid school kids should go and yell and and take a day off school. But by the way, we'll stop the whole government if we need to. And but, but they stopped itself. Nothing happened. No, Zero uh, happened. It's like my theory that if accidentally you napalm the members' enclosure on Cup Day. <laughs> Just We'd say, all be better off. The, the gross national product of Australia wouldn't shift. That's my theory. No. I'm not saying they're oxygen thieves. I'm just saying. No. Can we edit that out? That we nah, nah. I like it. I like it. I'm with no. you. I feel like I've oh, used my you. inside voice again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, under a Stubbs government. Oh, don't worry. There's marching. <laughs> Good marching too. Banners. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, on that note, maybe uh, vote one, uh, Richard Stubbs yeah, PM, sure. because you know yeah. there's there's very few else to vote for these days, isn't there? Well, and why not put a clown in? Why not? Because at least, <laughs> I mean, why not? I'd do it deliberately this time. This is my campaign slogan. <laughs> do it deliberately, and when people from other countries go, "What is wrong with your country?" You go, "I don't know. That clown's running it." And uh, and he is bang. Um, and yeah, and, and and you're phobic of that very thing too. So that I would don't, be hilarious. I, I've used the c word and I'm not comfortable with it <laughs> at all. I don't. Not about them. There is that word. I can't remember it right now. Uh, clown. Uh, uh, clown phobia. Yeah. No, it's a real thing. Hey, it's listen, everybody. Thing. Unless you have any desperate pressing questions that you've always wanted to ask Richard Stubbs or Evan Hawking, we're going to wrap this up. Any 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 show of hands? Any questions that people are desperate to ask? And I said they're all chicken shit, aren't they? Um, they like to sit there and laugh, but when you turn to them, they give you nothing. Yep. Um, listen, thank you all so much for coming along to the Television Podcast, Funny About Books with Richard Stubbs and Evan Hocking here yeah, at the Newport him. Comedy yeah, Room. Thanks to Dave and Scotty and Stewie and everybody else who helps make this place run. And thanks also to you for coming along and being part of this live show, this podcast that you're here part of. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks no, for coming thanks along. For thanks, thank, thank you, you as always. Thank you. I'll read Stubbsy's book. Yeah, right. I will. Yeah, right. And you can catch all of this on the television website uh, in February 2019. We'll see you all then. Great. Thanks very much. Uh